Hello, welcome to the Broadway Baby and the Musical Maniac. Um, I'm Richard Templeman. Am I supposed to say my name? <laughs> but I, but I am alone. Just kidding. I'm not alone. Who, yeah. who's here? I'm Anna. So Anna, <laughs> Anna is, for all intents and purposes, not an actual baby, but a Broadway baby. <laughs> and I'm the Musical Maniac, and. I wrote lyrics to a song, and I don't have them in front of me, so I'm just going to make it up if I mess up. She's just a Broadway baby, and he's a musical maniac. Each week they're going to watch a show that gives them some flack today. a show and then she'll go on why don't I remember it <laughs> gee we'd like to be not watching TV but seeing live shows until then we'll make do and play pretend until Broadway opens key change someday maybe the maniac will get to see a show on Broadway, not TV. The baby's gonna watch it and the maniac's gonna teach it on our big Broadway podcast. Uh, I just made it up. Thank you. Thank you. It was close. And like I said, (laughs) I'll fill in the gaps later. Yeah with the appropriate ones, but at least we know the sound is working again. Yes. What had happened, what had happened was, <laughs> what had, Tell me about it. oh, right. So what had happened was uh, the cord got loose and that's why it was glitching out hardcore. We're going to sort it out eventually. Yeah, it's all technical. Um, yeah. We should point out that many a time we are not in the same location doing this podcast because both of our jobs are the same job and <laughs> it's a job that requires literal flying across the country at all times. Correct. So you are literally on the other side of this yeah. continent. I'm by a very closed down Broadway. <laughs> yeah. How ironic. We're doing a Broadway yeah. podcast when Broadway is still closed down, but Luckily, in the in the grand scheme of things, there are filmed productions and there are um, archives that we're just going to watch until Broadway opens. Perfect. Perfect. Now, I, instead of just introducing what we're going to be talking about today, I thought this is the perfect musical for me to be able to sing along with because last time I couldn't really sing along with in the Heights because it was just out of my range. Yeah. You too, you say? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They sing too fast. Yeah. It's fast. It's wordy. It's artistic, but not necessarily our jam all the time, but it is our jam to watch. Yeah. It's not the most classic of Broadway sounds. That's putting it yeah. perfectly. Nicely. Very nicely. <laughs> 
So here's a hint on what we are. It's it's possibly better than Broadway. <laughs> yeah, but of course. It's just different. <laughs> yeah. So I'm going to um, sing a song that's going to get us in the mood, and then the listeners already know what it's going to be anyway. But you know, just pretend that they don't know. <laughs> There's a bright golden haze on the meadow. There's a bright golden haze on the meadow. The corn is as high as an elephant's eye. And it looks like it's climbing clear up to the sky. Oh, what a beautiful morning. Oh, what a beautiful day. Got a beautiful feeling Everything's going my way That, my friends, thank you, is the introduction to the musical Oh, Oklahoma, when the wind comes sweeping down the plain See, but that's a more beautiful song than the actual title song and you've heard it before, it's right? Known. It's more known. Yeah. How, yeah. I was going to ask you because you said you don't know much about Oklahoma before getting into all this, but yeah. did you recognize most of the songs? Um, yes, but I don't know why I know them. But I, yeah, I, I've heard all of them at one point or another. I'm pretty sure people just sing them a lot. Either that or it's on the radio. You know, through the years since... I 19- don't think they're on the radio. Well, maybe they were <laughs> in 1943. <laughs> He's listening to. Oh no, I was not born yet in 1943. (laughs) But you know, there are some old stations that play the goodies and the old, 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 oldies. Those are not actually. No, no, definitely they're not the popular stations. Um, I would say that there's a lot of covers of these like jazz remixes of these songs. You know, Mm. so. Yeah, because the pop songs of that era were Broadway songs, but now it's not so much that. No, definitely not. No, 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 no. But I do have a brief history of Oklahoma and the muse, the cow. Okay. If you want me to give you the, the low down, down low of... Oh, sure. You know, stuff you could definitely look up on the internet, but I'm here... To summarize, yeah. um, let's start at the very beginning. It's a very good place to start. The original Broadway production of Oklahoma opened on March 31st, 1943. So in this day and age, the, the American musical had just been created. Before this, there was vaudeville. Before this, there was showgirls and, you know, vaudeville. So there wasn't like a cohesive story. There was a lot of vignettes. There were a lot of like smaller plays that were performed on Broadway stages. But the American Broadway musical didn't really come out until Showboat a few years previously. And so Oklahoma was kind of like the next big book musical to come out based on the idea of Showboat, which was one continuous story that had songs and a, a cohesive plot. So now we have Oklahoma, and it became a box office hit, ran for an unprecedented 
2,212 performances, and it enjoyed many award-winning revivals, tours, foreign productions, Oscar-winning 1955 film, and has been a popular choice for schools, communities, productions all across the world. And it's written by Rodgers and Hammerstein. You've probably heard of Rodgers and Hammerstein. Classic duo. Classic, classic <laughs> duo. Yeah. So they that, that was their first big claim to fame as a duo together was Oklahoma. They have, you know, from then did Cinderella and many other classic stories and songs through the Broadway history. They won a special Pulitzer Prize for Oklahoma in 1944. Like I said, they were building on the innovations that were created in Showboat, and it epitomized the development of the book musical, which was a musical play where the songs and the dances are fully integrated into the story, and it's a well-made story with serious and dramatic goals, also things that evoke genuine emotions other than just amusement. Which we saw. This had a dark, a dark undertone, I want to say. Like, they didn't necessarily try to sugarcoat everything about it. There was a lot of sugarcoating, but it wasn't. Right. Yeah. So let's, any more background we need. They had the Dream Ballet, which was very classic for the time period. I'll just do a rundown. 43, it was on Broadway. 47, West End. 51, Broadway Revival already. 55, it was a film. Then 79, 80, 98 were all revivals on Broadway and West End. Then there was another Broadway revival in 02, a U.S. tour 03, 2010, a U.K. tour 2015. And then a, the newest Broadway revival was actually 2019, which I never got to go see before Broadway closed because of COVID. But... I did watch some clips online and some reviews, and I had originally told Anna in a private message that I thought that they did a spectacular job reviving it, but then there were some reviews that were like, maybe not. So now I'm not sold on it as much. Yes, it did modernize the, at least the artistic points of the story, but it did change some of the plot in their choreography. So we'll talk about that later too. You also had a word that you used to describe the plot of Oklahoma. And what was that word? I don't remember. Problematic. Yeah, that was it. That was ding, 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 ding. That's the one that you the texted whole, me. The whole entire production. Yeah, the whole Not play. Not just the plot. Right. No, the play is problematic. I And I wasn't trying to like... The songs are problematic. Oh, yeah. And the I wasn't... super problematic. Oh, no, there are some gemstones <laughs> of songs. And I wasn't trying to like in my text to you downplay that no that's all real i was yeah. just putting it into perspective that yeah it was one of the first broadway musicals and in 1943 ooh, right. we're, we're drinking similarly colored liquids delicious delicious it's very delicious refreshing pink liquid. delicious pink refreshing drink <laughs> <laughs> but yes 1943 depicting something that happened in 1906 and it is right. based um I have the information here. There was a play written in 1931 called Green Grow the Lilacs. And that's what this story is based on. So it still takes place in 1906 in that book, but it's kind of based on true events of the settling of that region of America, Oklahoma area. Hmm, Resettling. Yes, resettling. (laughs) Ooh, good point. Because I will say that 
Green Grow the Lilacs is set in a farm uh, farm country outside the town of Claremore Indian Territory in 1906. Mm-hmm. So without <laughs> without saying it, you said it. It's right. indigenous land that was taken by white folk. Right. Yeah. So that story was Lori Williams and her courtship by two rival suitors, cowboy Curly McLean and the sinister, frightening farmhead Judd Fry. But in the book, I think the name of Judd Fry was actually Jetson or something, you know, something different than. There's actually a website that says Judd Fry, the incel. And that's kind of that's kind of where I'm seeing his character, actually is like a a man who thinks he deserves the love of a woman for no apparent reason other than the fact that he wants it. And he's like, he's um, a virgin by not his choice. And he's, it makes him upset. That's kind of what the term incel means to me. And do you have sympathy for the incel? Oh, there's a lot of Judd Fry (laughs) character analysis. Which is, yeah, so that is true. Lori... Lori versus Judd. No, it's Lori. Yeah, kind of. It's Lori who's kind of in love with Curly, but also Judd is courting her. I don't feel like they ever show that she has true feelings for Judd, though. No, not at all. So in the original Green Girl, the Lilacs play, it came out in 1930 performed 64 times on Broadway. So arguably, Oklahoma being based on this, it was way more widely popular than the original play. Was a play that had Laurie, Curly, and they were sweethearts. And then there was also the character. I'm looking for... Jeter. The, the ending was a little bit more ambiguous because it was Curly versus Judd in Oklahoma. Well, it's Curly versus Jeter, and it was an accidental killing of the, the farmhand, Jeter. So not Jetson. Judd Fry was originally Jeter based on a true person. And what I thought was interesting is either in the play or the, the original person that it was based on, Jeter was of indigenous descent. So he was part Native American. And I thought that was a very interesting thing that basically gets whitewashed in most of the productions. And I do want to say, though, that when we did Oklahoma in Virginia, we had, I think, better casting because my good friend Murtaza Kapasi played Hakim, Ali Hakim. So he played the foreigner merchant and he was actually non-white. And he had a history, you know, living in other countries and, you know, his parents coming from Africa and stuff. So I felt like at least they were trying to cast someone who could portray a foreigner more believably than just another white guy putting on a problematic accent. Yes. And then our Judd Fry was played by a part Malaysian uh, friend of mine named Nick. And... It was giving, you know, you know, people of not just only white descent who got to play these characters that were more nuanced than Oklahoma usually portrays them as. So someday I'll show you clips from that show and then you can judge to see how when, <laughs> when we performed it in 
2014 or whatever, if it was any good. <laughs> or pro- just problematic. <laughs> yeah, it's still problematic. I don't know how you get around it, some of it, but... Right. Is it okay ever to be problematic? I don't know. I would say, like... I an- feel like that this is one of the times that... Like the art was what it was at the time, but at this point it should be left alone instead of being reproduced and changed and altered mm-hmm. and or per, played out the same way, which is super problematic. So right. I feel like it's just something that has to stay the way it was. Oh, totally. Lynn Riggs wrote the original Green Girl, the Lilacs. And though the play was not successful, as we've pointed out, it only ran like under 70 times. They decided after seeing that the play could have folk songs added to it and, you know, just kind of jazzed up, that that might be a good basis for a full production of a musical. Who who thought about it was Teresa Helburn. She contacted Richard Rogers and Lorenz Hart because before there was Rogers and Hammerstein, oh, there was Rogers and Hart. And that's a funny thing. What um, the funny thing was at the time that they had been the famous, you know, musical pair. And when Rogers signed on to do the project and obtain the rights for himself and Hart, it was Rogers who had asked Oscar Hammerstein II to collaborate with him and Hart at that moment. And then they were working on it. And then eventually Rogers told Hammerstein that if Hart was ever unable to complete the work, that, you know, Hammerstein could take his place. Well, coincidentally, in 1942, Hammerstein, on his own, had thought of musicalizing Green Girl the Lilacs and then wanted to do the musical with Jerome Kern and yada, 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 bada bing, bada bang. <laughs> it's a lot. It's a lot of just re, re, redoing their little groupings. So at that point, Hart lost interest in the musical because he wanted to do contemporary urban shows that were... I'm going to showcase his witty lyrics. And so he's like the farmers and the cowhands that are portrayed in Green Girl, the Lilacs weren't in his style. They were too corny and uninspiring. Then there was a spiraling downward of alcoholism. In any good little performing duo or group, usually someone has some addiction that spirals out of control. I'm just being overgeneralizing, but... You can watch many an e-true Hollywood story to see this. Often Oh, yes. This is just my generalization, but yes, oftentimes it does happen. Therefore, Hart wasn't going to write it. He went to Mexico, told Rogers that Hammerstein is a good choice for a new collaborator. So bada-bing, bada-bang again. That's how Rogers and Hammerstein were created as a partnership, and they were able to follow a pattern of writing where Hammerstein would write the lyrics before it was set to music because people always ask these artists in the world, what comes first, the music or the lyrics? It really does depend on the, on the people that are doing it. So some people like to hear the music and then the lyrics come to them. In this case, Hammerstein liked to write the complete lyric and then Rogers would do the music. So they worked well together. And that's how they collaborated on uh, Oklahoma. Yeah, that's all, that's all to say is that's how both Rodgers and Hammerstein became a musical writing duo, how Oklahoma came to be, 
how things were changed from Green Girl, the Lilacs to, I guess, update it to a modern Broadway audience who liked musicals, which I still like them. And you can definitely see through all the songs and stories how the modern musical just goes in that type of format. Mm-hmm. So you have Curly opening the show with that number I sang of, Oh, what a beautiful morning. And then that leads into him with Aunt Eller courting Lori, who is Aunt Eller's niece. They live together on the farm. Judd Fry is their farmhand because they're two woman folk, as they say in the play a lot, woman. I, I don't understand exactly if that's how they said women back then with an R at the end, but it's in the right. script. <laughs> must be true well it could be true (laughs) it could be lost in translation because i was trying to think in the 40s is that just what they thought the early 1900s people were talking like or did they know yeah don't know but we carry over the tradition in most modern depictions of the play by reading it as written woman and they and they do have a different dialect i would say about how they say things and how they pronounce words so Aunt Eller and Lori live together. Judd Fry is pining over Lori's heart, and Curly is trying to swoop in and ask her to the box social. And she's basically like, I'm already going with Judd Fry. What did you think of that, that the hired farmhand was going to take Lori to the dance? Well, for a minute, I was like, cool like this woman doesn't need like this main guy like she's fine to just go with whoever she doesn't even care and then turns out no she's not okay to go with just whoever <laughs> she does not want to yeah it she does was just using it to make him jealous yeah it's stupid yeah there's so that would be one of the problematic things is you kind of wanted to give her some woman power love but she's right. actually just playing a cliche game she duped me. She duped you. Duped. You were shooketh in your core. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's that's a pretty fair assessment. Uh, I would also like to point out that the version that we watched was actually very unique because it was a, a show at the University of North Carolina, but it was more important than just a normal college production because they went to the archives and they went to the, the pictures, any film clippings that they could find, any existing literature on how the original 1943 production of Oklahoma was mounted, mounted staged, choreographed, et cetera, et cetera. And I believe they had one of the original choreographers choreograph them, and then they had some of the original actors watch the show and be like, I'm impressed. This is how it was to be in this production, this show back then. So it was interesting to see the sets and the costumes and the choreography that we would have seen in 43, but we saw it in a 2018 production of Oklahoma. What were your thoughts on all that? I mean, I thought it was a really good production. Like it wasn't too like glitz and glam. Like it was still like probably more like it would have been in 1943. It was like a bit smaller, like people just hand painted the sets. Like Mm -hmm. it wasn't like a big production company or anything. So I liked all that. Yeah. So that was interesting. There were so many versions out there that we could have watched. I toyed with the idea of doing the Hugh Jackman version from 99 or 98. That is a very popular version. But Who did he play? He was curly, play? yeah. He's like, there's a bright golden haze on the meadow. <laughs> is that a good um, Hugh Jackman? 
think it was. He has a brighter voice, you know, and a Australian twinge. And in fact, he's Australian, but I think all the other people in the cast were British. So they were, <laughs> when you watch it, everyone, they're like, was, everyone was faking accents. <laughs> right. So they're like, we're from the South. And it's like, or are you British <laughs> pretending you're from the South? Oh, Curly, you stop doing that. And you're like, okay. <laughs> it sounds labored, but in the in the version we saw, they were North Carolinians putting on the show, yeah. so it was more natural uh, American accents, I would say. Mm-hmm. Trying to put on the 1906 accent of 1943 <laughs> in 2018. But I thought the costumes were beautiful. I thought... Yeah, they were very colorful. Very colorful. Yeah, and I didn't know that's what the original costumes looked like. And they pointed out that in the original Broadway show and the characters themselves, they're supposed to be young people. So, like, Hugh Jackman already was way too old to play Curly when he did it in the 90s. You know, he was already an older, established actor. And then most people that you see playing these characters are all in their 30s or 40s when really they should be in their teens and 20s, like at the oldest in their 20s. Mm-hmm. So it was cool to see young people portraying young characters and paying homage to the original production of Oklahoma, notwithstanding some of the problematic things. The side plot line, so we have Judd, Curly, Laurie on one side. Then we have Will Parker coming back from Kansas City, and he's courting Ado Annie. What did you feel about that? Um, it was good. Um, Ado Annie, I don't know if it was purposeful, but she's got a very uh, shrill voice. I think like, I think they cast appropriately because when I kind of looked at the older footage, like from the movie and stuff, she mm-hmm. also had that character voice. Yeah. So it maybe it's, over, it's overwhelming. It's overwhelming. It's a very shrill, shrieky voice. Yeah. But otherwise, I thought their relationship was cute. And the fact that he kept trying to get the $50 to buy her. I'm not, well, I'm he had why he needed $50 cash. I think the, the premise is Ado <laughs> Annie's father said, no broke ass poor country boy is going to court my daughter. He has to have money. He has to be established and have at least $50 on hand at all times. And the problem is, anytime Will Parker would get $50 in his hands, he'd be like, I want to blow it all on presents for Ado Annie. But that's not the point. The point was you have to have (laughs) and keep $50. So not necessarily buying her off, but in the vein of, you know, I want my daughter going to a a home to someone that could provide for her and not blow his money. I think. I think. (laughs) <laughs> it just it didn't make that so clear ah. he just kept saying he needed 50 dollars cash yep didn't know why <laughs> just didn't know why i went to kansas city on a friday by saturday i learned a thing or two for up to then i didn't have an id of what the modern world was coming to I counted 20 gas buggies going by themselves almost every time I turned to walk. Then I put my ear to a bell telephone 
and a strange woman started in to talk. What next? Everything's up to date in Kansas City. They've gone about as far as they can go. They went and built a skyscraper seven stories high, about as high a building are to grow. Everything's like a dream in Kansas City. It's better than a magic lantern show. You can turn on the radiator and whenever you want some heat, with every kind of comfort, every house is gone complete. You'll walk into the privies in the rain and never wet your feet. Oh, they've gone about as far as they can go. They've gone about as far as they can go. So I know we talked a little bit about the beginning of the play of Oklahoma, the musical, rather, that there's Lori. And then there is Curly, and Curly's trying to court Lori. But then, of course, uh, we have the farmhand, Jude. Judd. Poor Judd is dead. Poor Judd Fry is dead. Then you have the second story of Will Parker, and that's what he was singing is, Everything's up to date in Kansas City. And he's courting Ado Annie, except in for when he's out of town. Ado Annie says, you know, I'm only in love with the person I'm with at the time, actually. So, you know, I love you when you're here, but when you're not here, I love someone else. And in this case, that someone else is Ali Hakim, who, for some reason, I believe in at least the original version and the movie that I've recently watched over again, they call him Ali Hakim, but I feel like that's just them mispronouncing his name, right? Like, for all intents and purposes, it should be Ali Hakim, right? Yes. Yeah. But that's the second story, is she's gone to court and the peddler man, Ali Hakim, and Will comes back. And the whole point is, like, I remember you had asked me earlier, why does Will Parker need $50? Is that to buy Ado Annie? Mm -hmm. But... I'm guessing it's not necessarily to buy Ado Annie. It's Ado Annie's pa won't let her go unless the man she's going to be tied with has at least $50 on hand at the ready at all times. Yeah, I mean, for that time period, probably. Yeah, I mean, for that time period, it wouldn't surprise me if you would pay the dad money to buy a wife right. however so at least at a minimum having money would be like the less crazy version of that <laughs> the less crazy version of buying someone yeah don't buy people that's <laughs> obviously not the goal of no. society at large now right. but unfortunately back then it was <laughs> right on the brink of that <laughs> yeah exactly where that was still kind of an acceptable thing so my thing is uh, he's got $50, but the problem is he keeps spending it on gifts for Ado Annie. And because he's kind of dumb. I just think Will Parker is kind of a go-getter, but kind of dumb. Yeah. Agreed. What to say about him? The 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 guy who played him in the Oklahoma cast in Virginia when I was in the play, he was really funny, really smiley. He had the goofy personality down. 
and we did two shows outdoors and one show indoors because it got rained out. And he literally roped uh, two women in the cast. They were young women. Um, and that's how he kind of showed that, oh, I, I'm a good roper. So he actually, whoosh, whoosh, over his head, mm-hmm. whipped the rope around, looped it over the two girls and corralled them over to him. Because it's like, he's kind of still a flirt, even though he feels strongly to be with Ado Annie. Right. Because in the movie, I recall that he's at a train station and he's like throwing girls around up and down from the train hmm. as it's driving away. It was it was cool. Uh, Shirley Jones was in the movie and I forgot that that was kind of like her big claim to fame was that film. She would later become the mother in the Partridge family. Not not familiar. I'm not going to lie, but <laughs> maybe I would know her face. You would. She kind of looks like yeah. a Doris Day type or a uh, Sandy Duncan type. Just blonde hair, like smiley, young. Even uh, I can't. I can't think what else she would be in. Partridge Family is like really. <laughs> yeah, that's the one everyone should know, but I don't. <laughs> that's okay. No worries. So maybe a bit sexist. Um, maybe a bit coy because they're both flirtatious to other Mm -hmm. people and they're both jealous so maybe they're good for each other that way that's true it's a good point it ain't so much a question of not knowing what to do i know what's right and wrong since i've been 10 I heard a lot of stories and I reckon they are true About how girls are put upon by men I know I mustn't fall into the pit But when I'm with a feller, I forget Just a girl who can't say no I'm in a terrible fix I always say come on let's go Just when I order say mix When a person tries to kiss a girl I know she ought to give his face a smack But as soon as someone kisses me I somehow want to sort of kiss him back I'm just a fool when lights are low I can't be prissy and quaint I ain't the type that can't faint How can I be what I hate? I can't say no Yeah, and not, you know it Not to excuse it that it was a part of the time period, but Sometimes it is what it is. And I know mm-hmm. that in your opinion, at least what you've shared with me is you'd rather they do more modern shows. Why why revisit at all? Yes. Um, yes. And I think I still stand by that because we shouldn't. It's to quote the YouTube video I was watching, it's a a revisionist history of America. And I feel like we don't need to do that anymore. Cause like 
we're done. We're, we should be done pretending that the history isn't as grim as it was and we need to move on. Right. So like in that way, I think we should leave it in the past. But I did see when I was just refreshing my brain before we started this, um, that in 2019, they had the first wheelchair bound cast member and she was nominated and I think won a Tony. So yeah, because she was Ada Annie. Yeah. Yeah. And then they did give, um, a more diverse cast. So I do like that they tried to at least not have it just be like a white cast revisiting this offensive revisionist history play. But I do think we could just move forward and do other plays. (laughs) Totally. Piggybacking off that, uh, they definitely did some, in the 2019 revival of the play, or the musical, rather, they did have um, better casting, you know, it was more colorblind casting, and able, you know, different able bodies, or, you know, Mm -hmm. different portrayals of people. It didn't have to be Ada Annie is, you know, walking around flirting. She was wheeling around flirting, and she probably played the best Ada Annie I've ever seen. She did an amazing job. Yeah, she was so good. Um, she actually got her claim to fame. Previously, she was the first wheelchair-bound actress to perform on Broadway ever in the Deaf West version of Spring Awakening. Oh, I've not seen that. Put it on my list. Yeah. Earlier before that, she had auditioned for the television program Glee, and she was actually on the Glee Project. They had two seasons of the Glee Project where they it was a reality show casting call where they would show these people compete, and then whoever, quote-unquote, won would get a role on Glee. But then a lot of them still appeared as background characters on Glee, so she might have actually been on Glee, did Broadway's Spring Awakening revival, then immediately got a lead role in Oklahoma 2019. Um, And then afterwards, she did film a COVID Lifetime movie where when she kissed the boy in the Lifetime film, it was through plexiglass. That sounds so sad. (laughs) Yeah, so, so sad that one of her film debuts is she couldn't kiss the love of her life as as her character because COVID protocols... Yeah. So in the movie, though, it looks like they kiss. However, that is just plexiglass that they're kissing through. so funny. (laughs) What a world we're living in that we're still living in. Well, and also, like, could they not have just not recorded? Like, just maybe wait. Like, do we need new recorded Lifetime movies? They have already recycled so many plots of Lifetime movies. I mean, this is a complaint in every medium, right? Mm -hmm. Um, There's a tried and true formula they go to it over and over again. However, it does sell. Yeah, I suppose. Even, yeah, for art, artists' sake, like you and I, we would be like, mm, you and me, no, we don't want that. No. Um, we we want new. It's we funny, We want though. creativity. <laughs> it is funny. It's funny to re- continually recycle it and then to add in kissing through plexiglass because you're so desperate to recycle a plot line. Exactly. It's pretty great. Now, before I before I, I take have, it back, I'm all for it. Okay, good. Now that you're all for it. So the, that's all the positives of the revival. I love the casting. I love that it wasn't um, just leaning on the stereotypes of, oh, everyone has to be um, white. Even, you know, 
and and everyone has to be a certain abled body. No, differently abled, fine, we're yeah. good. Um, however, when I did more research on it, because it, unfortunately, because of COVID, I wasn't able to go see it. It closed early, and it might come back still, but obviously we're in flux. Hence the point of this podcast, us watching filmed versions of the show so we don't have because we can't go see them right. i did a little research and i don't know if i agree with their interpretation of at least the ending right so in the dream sequence ballet portion they they actually filmed a part of it and project it on a screen and it's very weird it's like a horror film so that's kind of mm-hmm. cool it's like a new wave new age version of doing it is that like uh, while the ballet dancers are doing their performance on the stage there's like a screen above them i think they kind of dance off stage and then focus just on the film oh, okay. from what i can gather at the end of the play you know the classic part of the scene where curly and Lori do get married because in the dream sequence ballet they're about to get married but judd comes swoops in kills curly with a knife puts Lori over his back and starts walking away and she's like no curly and her hand is moving towards curly's dead lifeless body and then she's fighting resisting and then in the shadows she falls limp and i'm like is she dead or is she just like given up and she's gonna be assaulted by judd so that's what happens in dream sequence ballet but the truth that happens later in real life is he does come with a knife to kind of their um, post-wedding reception antics. He shows up, and instead of, you know, saying, you know, bygones be bygones, he pulls out a knife, they do fight, Judd falls on the knife kind of in the scuffle, and they have to decide real quickly, this was self-defense, we don't have to go to a trial, Cordell, come on, let's just get on with this, let them go to their honeymoon and live in peace. That's what happens in the original version of the Broadway show, Oklahoma. Well, how they twist it in the revival, and I don't know if I agree with it, but I'm going to tell you, and then you could tell me what you think. Judd shows up at their post-marriage wedding vow scene, and his knife is a gun. So it's kind of like that movie Romeo and Juliet where they modernized it, but then called all their long swords um, guns or guns, long swords. In this version, he's like, oh oh my gosh, he's got a knife. But obviously it's a gun. And they scuffle and they fight. And then it turns out Judd gives up. And he gives his gun over to Curly. And I don't know if it was like, hey, I'm done. I don't want to be alive right now. Like suicide by giving you my gun so you could kill me or if curly just snapped in that moment and just shot him but that's what happened is curly turns over to judd who's given him the gun and goes bang kills judd hmm. and then they run that more comedic scene where they're like oh no what are we gonna right. do we don't have to deal with a trial oh well come on they make Whereas it all serious right because it's murder now now it's legitimately murder they can't really sweep it under the rug right Whereas the first one was like, he rolled on the knife. Yeah. Yeah. So how do you feel about that? To me, it rubs me a little bit the wrong way. Um, So I think this kind of ties into what was in, I'll reference it again, because everyone should watch it if they're interested. Um, It's called, it's by Wait in the Wing, and it's called The True Villain of Oklahoma. It's just a YouTube video by Wait in the Wing. 
Um, and they said in the original the flowers thing that it's based uh, that Oklahoma is based on whatever mm-hmm. that's called. They said that is more close to what the ending should have been. So oh. yeah, and so that ties into their thing of like who's the real villain in it. It would be Curly then. Right. And it was like, and then the one girl in the Wait in the Wings video was like, well, it is like he was built that way by his community. Like in a non-toxic masculinity world, Curly wouldn't have been that person because obviously the community was fully supporting him. Like they didn't arrest him for murder. Like they were against him the whole time when he wanted to buy Laurel. Lori. Lori's basket. Everyone gave him money for it. Mm-hmm. They bought his stuff from him. They were all supporting him in wanting to exclude this outsider, even though for right. the most part nobody had a reason to, besides the fact that he wasn't an he was an outsider. Well, and like in the original play that was written that Oklahoma is based on, I believe he's even supposed to be an indigenous person. Right. So then that would be totally racist of them to be like right. we don't want a, a native american to be with Lori. it's not right when really that's not right right so i can see that if it does tie back to the original production that wasn't oklahoma then i guess it makes more sense because it it the fact that he did commit murder and the town still didn't care it all kind of lines up with the fact that They just wanted to exclude any outsiders. Yeah. You know, I would almost then either perform... Oh, this would be tough. Either perform the original play instead of doing a revival of Oklahoma. But the songs are so iconic. I don't know how you would be able to do that, though. Right. To do, like, a true blend of them. Yeah. One would almost have to do what... Uh, what's his name? Aaron Sorkin did for To Kill a Mockingbird is he rewrote Harper Lee's book and made his own adaptation of To Kill a Mockingbird and put that on Broadway. I don't know the legalities of doing that for Oklahoma, obviously. I feel like you would just have to write new songs, write new a new book, like new script, and then say this is an adaptation of Oklahoma and make it your own version like yeah. a more true to life version of what it would be but at that point just write a new musical and it could be based somewhat on Oklahoma without having to do any sorts of like right you know it's just a nod to Oklahoma it wouldn't be a copyright infringement yeah and i feel like it could like follow different characters or something and give them like new songs or something that would be a yeah. way to like continue with the story but not just reproduce it right be like oh you think you know the story of oklahoma right. well <laughs> one of those. these two side <laughs> these two side characters saw the whole thing and it's not what right. they've been yeah the main characters have been telling you you've been would, wrong for years i would watch that <laughs> for sure yeah <laughs> well that's how we can change it change it <laughs> Couldn't pick a better time to start in life. It ain't too early and it ain't too late. Starting as a farmer with a brand new wife. Soon be living in a brand new state. Brand new state. Gonna treat you great. 
gonna give you barley, carrots and potatoes, pasture for the cattle, spinach and tomatoes. Follow on the prairie where the June bugs zoom. Plenty of air and plenty of room. Plenty of room to swing a rope. Plenty of heart and plenty of hope. Oklahoma, when the wind comes sweeping down the plain and the waving wheat can sure smell sweet when the wind comes right behind the rain. Oklahoma, every night my honey lamb and I sit alone and talk and watch a hawk making lazy circles in the sky. We know we belong to the land and the land we belong to is grand. And when we sing, we're only saying you're doing fine. Oklahoma, Oklahoma, okay. So I think, I mean, I, all, all in all, I think that's the basic points of Oklahoma is we've talked about how it's, definitely sexist it definitely was written in the 40s so it has that um it has that sentiment in the in the script and in the songs but also it's based on an earlier play from the 30s also it takes place in 1906 which is also not a great time for a lot of people Uh, i kind of like lean on Lori's line where she's crying to aunt eller and she's like why did this have to happen? Why did Judd have to die on my wedding day? It's all so dark and awful and just, you know, it's terrible. And then Aunt Eller had to be honest and say, well, honey, sometimes bad things happen and there ain't nothing we can do about it, but we just have to move on and we have to live on. And that's the dark story or the dark truth of what life is is yes, we would love it to be like, oh, Oklahoma, when the wind comes sweeping down the plain, Oklahoma. But really it's, poor Judd is dead, poor Judd Fry is dead. Mm-hmm. So it's like, it's real. It has gritty, grittier moments to it. But like you said, why not try to write a more realistic version of right. what life would have been in 1906? Yeah. I'm here for that. I'm here for it too. Make a musical, make it good, make it fun. Yeah. And then that can be a little bit of like uh, education about, you know, not revisionist history, <laughs> real history, real, right. real, real shit. Real <laughs> shit. Get down to brass tacks. Yeah. All right. So any, any walk away um, thoughts for Oklahoma? Uh, I mean, I'm sure in its time, it was great. I mean, the songs are very catchy. Totally. The storyline definitely has some holes. <laughs> but like, for its time, I'm sure it was wonderful. And yeah, I still the songs are still catchy to this day. Yeah, um, I'm not going to lie. Since we've been studying Oklahoma, we watched that YouTube video that had the reconstructed what the original Broadway 
performance would have looked like, felt like, what the, the choreography, the sets, the costumes were all reconstructed to be as close to reality of what the 1943 production would be. We watched that. I went ahead and watched the, the 50s movie of it. And no joke, for weeks and weeks, all I can hum as I'm like going to work or coming back from work or I'm on the job, I'm just thinking, I went to Kansas City on a Friday <laughs> and then I'm like, I can't say no. And just every Oklahoma song stuck in my head. So there's something to it. I feel I have made up my own songs while doing like stuff around the house more since we watched it. But like, I don't know enough of the lyrics to sing their songs. So like, I'll just like sing sense. a sentence I'm about to say about like house chores. I love it. You're making yeah. your own musical. Um, yeah, it's not going to be good. It's a one woman show. <laughs> she's cleaning, not because she wants to, because she has to. And <laughs> because it's her only her day way. off. <laughs> <laughs> right. I know we've been so we've been so strapped with our jobs, like FYI, just like. Yeah. But here we are. We're recording. We're doing it. We're doing it. The 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 YouTube show that the college college um all the farmer and the cowman should be friends. All the farmer and the cowman should be friends. I try to relate it all back, right? The University of North Carolina School of the Arts does a painstaking recreation of Oklahoma as it premiered in 1943. So you could go to YouTube and look up Oklahoma exclamation point 1943 restoration act one. Not to mention they also posted an act two, which you and I had to watch both acts. Yes. <laughs> so. It was long. <laughs> it was a lot longer than we anticipated, but I guess worth it. It was two hours for Act 1 and an hour for Act 2, so three hours of a musical. It It is posted by David Rossman, but it's, it was cool. They have a little behind-the-scenes footage of the choreographer who I think was in the original production or choreographed it, or, you know, and it had one of the original actresses who played Lori, I believe, come to the opening night and watch it. And she's like, this is just how it was in 1943. <laughs> so it's worth a watch. Not to mention Amazon Prime has Oklahoma if you rent it. I bought the DVD, you know, because I could have that forever. And then the 19, not the 19, the 2019 version, obviously, as far as I know, it doesn't have a film version. You could only watch behind the scenes or clips of it on YouTube. So there's that. Yeah. Now, next time, I think you and I are going to tackle watching my favorite musical that I've ever seen. And it's called Next to Normal. And I saw it four times live and then a million times recorded. So Next to Normal... You could see a lot of bootleg versions on the YouTube and also the soundtrack is available wherever, wherever soundtracks are sold, <laughs> sold. Yeah. <laughs> you could Spotify, Apple music, all the, all of the above. 
You can't go to the store and get it because it's a 10-year-old musical at this point. But I digress. We'll talk about Next to Normal next time. How about? Yay. Yay. A new show. <laughs> a new modern show. So we're going from like one of the first to a way more modern musical. Yeah. So that'll be good. Great. All right. So for now, I've been the musical maniac. I'm going to sign off. Broadway baby signing off. All right. Catch you next time. Bye. Bye. She's just a Broadway baby, and he's a musical maniac. Each episode they sit right back and watch a new show. The Broadway baby gets to learn the Broadway ropes. The musical maniac hopes she'll be in the We'd like to be not watching TV, but seeing live shows. For now, we'll do our best to see what's left until Broadway opens. For now, maybe the Broadway they can learn a lot. Taking what the maniacs got and watch a new show. Hey, listeners out there. We hope you're making out fair. She don't know a lot. I know what I ought. Together we can make it and come out hot. We love Broadway. So we watch it any way we can. Probably will upset the man, but we don't care. We'll study the shows. And maybe you'll learn who knows. Enough to be experts yourself in the theater arts, too. we'd like to be not watching TV, but seeing live shows for now. We'll do our best to see what's left until Broadway opens. For now, maybe the Broadway they can learn a lot. Taking what the maniacs got Watching the recordings, doing research every morning On our Broadway podcast show